Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales. We believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids, and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part one of two, where we are talking to Bridget Vander Eyck about her novels. Over the next two weeks, you will hear about starting to write just little bits and pieces, taking over a decade to finish your first novel, having people hype up the book before it released, taking inspiration for your characters from friends in real life, stepping out of your bubble to promote your book, accepting criticism even though you're terrified, getting help to make sure your locations are accurate, and hiring out the things you need help with. 10 Dates The Hollywood Socialite Book 1 How far is Libby willing to go to keep her dirty, little Victoria's secret? Libby Evans is a Hollywood socialite and heiress to her great-grandfather's film production empire, Privileged Pictures. She and her friends are part of the new Hollywood Brat Pack. Anita Yates is a former child star. Willa Nelson is an aspiring model and Charlie Niven is a hotel heiress and aspiring fashion designer. At 22, Libby has all the money in the world. A gorgeous oil-air boyfriend. And with a Victoria's Secret Angel contract just within her grasp, her life is perfect. Unfortunately, Libby's life takes the wrong turn when she has a little too much to drink at another swanky Hollywood party. So what happens when Little Miss Perfect wakes up with a pounding hangover and a naked paparazzo, Wentworth Turner, in bed with her? Sounds like a Hollywood scandal if it ever leaks. Libby is desperate to keep the secret away from the tabloids for the sake of her career and her relationship. It turns out that Wentworth wants just one thing in exchange for his silence. Ten dates. So the show is Freya's Fairy Tales, and that is fairy tales in two ways. Fairy tales are something that we either watched or read or had read to us as kids. It is also the journey for you to spend weeks, months, years working on your book to hold that in your hands as a fairy tale for you. So I like to start off with what was your favorite fairy tale when you were a kid and did that favorite change as you got older? My favorite fairy tale when I was a kid was definitely The Little Mermaid. And I feel like it's continued to stay the favorite throughout my life. And I am so excited to see the new one. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but it's... um, it's on my list of things to do. <laughs> now, the new one, did they simultaneously release that one on digital or is it just in theaters right now? I think it's just in theaters right now. With a newborn, it's a little bit hard to kind of get the couple of hours I need to go go to the theaters and things like that. So I'll, I'll just wait. I'll wait for a little bit and try and see it as soon as I can. <laughs> 
So at what age did you kind of start writing anything, short stories, whatever it was? I think I can remember um, in like grade five or six. So I was about 10 or 11 when I started writing just little bits and pieces and they weren't anything fantastic or anything like that. Um, (laughs) But they were, yeah, they were just um, little stories that I started writing and it wasn't until I think I was like fresh out of high school, it was like 18, 19, where I actually sat down and decided, you know, oh, I should actually, you know, write something that I'm interested in at the time that was romance and things like that. So yeah, it wasn't until I was probably like 18 or 19 when I started writing romance, but yeah, I've been writing lots of little bits and pieces since I was about 10. So was it like complete stories or just like parts of stories? I mean, it was a lot of parts of stories. I think I had probably one or two full stories, but I mean, when I was 10 or 11, that was probably like, you know, max like a thousand or 2000 words, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, lots of, um, and I still have them on my, um, on my laptop when like all through high school, where it was just like little bits and pieces that never really got finished, but you know, Uh. the ideas were there and, you know, jotted them down and things like that. But um, yeah, nothing that ever really got properly finished. So now you have, I saw you have two books released technically, but one of them is like a Halloween version of the yes. other book. Or do you have like other ones under a different name too? No, no. So 10 Dates um, was my debut that I released last July. And then I thought I'd do something a little bit fun and do a Halloween version of that. So there's uh-huh. a chapter in 10 Dates where the um, female and the male main characters go to a costume party. And so I kind of took that rewrote the um the point of view for that and added it as a bonus chapter Mm. and decided to like do like a whole Halloween type issue um we don't celebrate Halloween here in Australia but um I've always really loved Halloween and I know it's Mm -hmm. really really big in the states yeah (laughs) a little bit (laughs) yeah (laughs) so how long did it when did you start writing 10 dates and how long did it take you to get your first draft done Um, So I started writing, like I said, fresh out of high school. So I was about 18 years old um, and I wrote five chapters and then didn't touch it again until I was on maternity leave with my daughter. And that was over a decade later. Oh gosh. Um, Yeah. So I had, um, so in Australia, we've got amazing maternity leave. Um, So I had 13 months of maternity leave with my daughter um, and uh, I wrote 20 of the 26 chapters while I was on maternity leave and finally finished what was that 2021 so I was well into my 30s by then so (laughs) it um, didn't take me that long to write it but it just kind of the idea got jotted down I started it and it just kind of got left until I had the time and I guess the dedication to be like you know what no I'm going to actually finish Uh this um but that's the thing I've spoken to so many um independently published authors that are just like yeah I started something but it never really got finished and I think Uh it's um it's a big commitment to kind of sit down and be like yes okay so this needs to get done especially that first draft which is sometimes so hard to get yeah all the way through um so yeah it um it was over a decade before I kind of looked at that again. So 10 years technically, but not 10 years of just straight writing. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, exactly. So you typed the end or however you signed off your book and what did you do kind of next to get it ready to go live? Um, 
I think at the time I was still quite a newbie to the publishing world. So Uh at the time I thought the only way was to get it traditionally published. So I queried a whole bunch of literary agents, um, a whole bunch of traditional publishing houses and things like that um, for probably about over a year. And nothing really happened. I um, thought that I'd try and use social media to kind of build a bit of a following and things like that. And that's when I was kind of introduced to this world of independent publishing. Mm. And I wasn't actually aware that that was even a thing or that it was as easy as it ended up being to Mm -hmm. actually publish. I mean, obviously the editing and putting the book together, that's the hard part. But the actual publishing Mm -hmm. on um, Amazon, so that's the platform I'm using, it was quite quite straightforward and um, I spoke to an indie author that um, I had been talking to and you know asking questions and things um, while I was going through this journey and she said that the reason she independently published was that she wanted to retain full creative control of what Mm -hmm. the final product looked like yeah and I never really looked at it like that but then when I was putting it all together I was like that actually sounds so appealing like the idea of someone coming in and changing the story or you know it coming out with a cover that I wasn't 100% happy with Mm -hmm. um, kind of freaked me out a little bit and I was like you know what I reckon I can do this myself and then the product that I have at the end I know that I'll be 100% happy with and that that's what I want it to look like yeah so were you querying with the first draft or had you done some editing on it before you did that? Um, unfortunately, I queried with the first draft. <laughs> and when I look back at it, it's um, the first draft's always really, really rough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I probably should have refined it a little bit. I was such a newbie to everything and I was like, right. cool, I've got this first draft. I should just get it out because it takes forever. Like traditionally publishing takes so long yes. to even get anyone, you know, and the wait times between... You know, you can expect to hear from us in, you know, six to 12 months. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like we've got massive (laughs) wait times and things like that. But yeah, the first draft was really, really rough. So I'm not really surprised that I didn't hear back positively from (laughs) anybody. Uh, So I'm currently working, me and my husband are both working on our first novels and I'm like, I don't even know. Nah, he can do whatever he wants to. And I tell him that all the time. I'm like, you're welcome yeah. to go through the querying process if you want to. I'm like, I don't want to spend all that time. And also, I don't think I could handle all the rejection. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, no, thanks. Um, but also like the control. And I'm like, I don't have any idea. Like there are certain, you know, word count expectations for different genres yeah, or whatever. Sure. And I'm like, I don't want to have to worry about that. Like if I think that like if my fantasy book is going to be 200,000 words, it's going to be 200,000 words. and that's Who exactly cares? it isn't it yeah uh, yeah you'll find your readers like some people aren't going to pick it up because it's too big and some people will be like well the other one that i read was four hundred thousand words like yeah <laughs> yeah it is it's so nice to just when you independently publish to just be able to put out something that exactly the way that you want it to be mm-hmm. and you'll find assuming you put out a yeah you're not putting your first draft out into the world <laughs> for people yep. you know you will some you know assuming you don't write the worst book in the entire world you will yeah. find readers who want to read and love your stories so it's you know not everybody loves every genre or every storyline or every trope or whatever the case may be <laughs> but you'll find your people that's right yeah and social so, media is so good for that yeah so you said last year you published and what did you once you got it up and ready and available for people to buy what did you do to promote it in the first early days 
Um, so before I even published it, I reached out. It, I just reached out to people personally on Instagram that I had connected with in the Bookstagram community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the first feedback that I actually got on on the manuscript um, was, I think, January of the year that I actually published. So I was getting people to kind of try and hype up the book before it was actually published in July. Okay. Um, and then it's just been nonstop, you know, trying to get, I guess, more, more visibility on the actual book and to make people mm-hmm. aware that it's actually there. Um, so reaching out to people, providing, you know, complimentary copies that they're willing to read and review and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's really what I've been mainly doing. Um, reaching out to people that are happy to hype up the book and things like that. And the, the feedback has been really, really positive. Obviously, I haven't sold a million copies, um, <laughs> but, you know, as an indie author, I feel like that's, you know, that's would be one in a million. It'd be amazing to do, but I'm just happy for the number of people all over the world that I've been able to talk to that have said, you know, really, really enjoyed your book and things like that. Uh-huh. And that to me is, you know, success in itself. I'm really, right. really happy with that. And um, yeah, it's just an ongoing thing being an indie author. And I think that's probably a misconception a lot of people don't have where I don't have a big marketing team behind me. Any kind Mm -hmm. of promotion I want to do, it's got to be me pushing it. It's got to be me reaching out and making those contacts and connections. So Mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's nonstop. But then at the same time, you've got to think about, cool, now I've got this first book out, got to get the next one out so I'll seem more accessible (laughs) as an author and things like that. So yeah, it's a a complete... It's an ongoing thing. It keeps going and going and going, never stops. Right. (laughs) I feel like uh, you go through a little bit of the same thing with narrating. There's a little bit of, um, like, when I started, I didn't do, like, any coaching or anything like that. I just, like, jumped in. I I do not recommend, and I tell people this, anytime they ask, (laughs) well, how did you get started? I'm like, I don't recommend my way to anybody. (laughs) I'm like, it was a terrible way to get started. I quite literally was scrolling through TikTok and was like, we're going to look and see if we can find any like work from home stuff that I can do like on the side. And so I like search TikTok work from home jobs. I'm like, you know, may as well. And so I do that, come across very clickbaity, make a thousand dollars an hour narrating (laughs) audiobooks. And this was in like August of 2021. And so I come yep. across this and I'm like, okay, well, that sounds very clickbaity. Like every other work from home ad sounds yep. clickbaity. So I'm like, we're going to search for actual audiobook narrators now. Search audiobook narrator. Sure enough, here's a couple different narrators who had just done like, here's how to get started videos. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not $1,000 an hour unless you're some big, huge, <laughs> famous person already. That, like, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I know, but I'm like, everybody would be doing it, clearly, if yeah. everybody was making that. So I, you know, searched that in, like, literally, this was in August. By September, I had my booth set up. I had my microphone already. I had my computer software, like, set up and good to go. So I'm like, when I'm like, I jumped in with two feet, I'm like, I don't yeah. need training or anything. I'm just going to jump in and start auditioning. And very, very quickly, I started landing books at the beginning it was all these like really low paid um like nonfiction books yep but mm-hmm. I was like hey if I'm landing the jobs and I stayed booked up 
the whole time. I'm like, if I'm landing these jobs, I'm going to take all the money I make and immediately upgrade my equipment and all of that. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I did for the first little while. That's I took every single cent that I made. I made like $1,200 in the first like two or three months. And I took that and I completely upgraded my equipment. And then I started doing more like royalty share and fiction and still had no idea what I was doing narrating wise. (laughs) I'm like, I've learned how to produce a book and get it up to spec so that it gets through quality. But I'm like, I sound awful still. (laughs) So it wasn't until like early last year um, I land, I started a fiction podcast in October. So September, I start narrating. October, I start a daily fiction podcast, like classic novel audiobooks. Yep. And then like right after that, in like January is when I landed my first fiction royalty share paid, you know, I'm getting paid essentially to produce and make narrate this book. And I'm like, yeah. So January, I started that. And I'm like, I listened through audiobooks. And I'm like, really? I got good in like July? <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, it was you know, almost a full year after I had started. I'm like, okay, now I sound like a narrator. And I look at reviews and I'll get reviews on like first books that I did. And I'm yeah, like, of course. <laughs> they're, they're like bad reviews. They're like, the narrator is awful. And I'm like, fair fair and now now I get reviews on like books I do now and they're like oh my god in fact I just got a comment from a listener yesterday and she's like you are the voice of Sophie you nail the character perfectly and I'm like yes fantastic I've made it yeah (laughs) so I'm like hoping that with writing that like when I release this first book that I get on the good side and I don't have to deal with the negative at all But (laughs) like with you, I've been writing somewhat since I was a kid. Yeah. So it's like, hopefully, you know, but I I also know as I've talked to many authors, this this podcast has been going for over a year now. Yeah. Talked to many authors who are all like, do not publish your first draft. (laughs) Yeah, no, don't. Don't show anyone your first draft. (laughs) I did show uh, a couple of authors that I've narrated for, like, just the first chapter before I had done any editing on it at all. Mm -hmm. And, like, the only feedback was, like, I had some really long sentences, like 40-plus words. Yes, I do that, too. And then like, no paragraphs. It was all just, like, giant (laughs) chunks of text. And one of the authors was like, this reads really difficultly because it's not, like, broken up. And then I, like, pop it into an editing software. And it's like, do you know you have 40-plus word sentences? And I'm like, (laughs) no. I wasn't counting. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I put commas in there, like... (laughs) No, that's what I do too. It's like comma, 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 comma. I'm like, wow, this is a really long sentence. (laughs) That's my thing too. Like I remember from school though, it was like if it was all one thought, it should be one sentence. Like Mm. I think I remember that from school. So like I felt like it was all one thought, but then I'm like reading through and I'm like, Okay, really, we could break this up into yeah, into a couple, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) three, four, five sentences. So you got it out there. You have now how many other podcasts have you done? Because you reached out to me, obviously. Um, I think it's been a handful of them. I think we'd be closing in on somewhere between five to ten. So I just like reaching out to people um, 
most of the podcasts are US ones. So it's always mm-hmm. really fun to talk to people from the US. I haven't been on any Australian ones, but I haven't really found um, many um, book podcasts that are Australian based. So yeah, most of them I do. I talk to people from the US and it's, yeah, it's just really nice to connect with um people that love books and other authors and things like that from different parts of the world. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think A.K. Mulford just moved to Australia. I think she has a podcast oh, okay. that I would assume is book-related since she's an author. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that I had to redo the interview with because it oh, didn't record. There we go. She cool. was in New Zealand at the time. It was, like, right before she moved. <laughs> so, like, yep. she was still in New Zealand but in the midst of packing and all of that stuff. Ah, okay. So where – now, this was – yeah, more than 10 years ago at this time, but where did the idea for the book come from? Um, so the characters I created for 10 Dates really drove the story and really inspired what the story ended up becoming. Um, so Libby Wentworth, the Brat Pack, every character in there was inspired by somebody from my real life. Um, most okay. of them people I went to high school with. So mm-hmm. I went to an all girls private high school. So there were plenty okay. of interesting characters um, that I went to high school with that I drew on to create these characters. Um, so obviously, you know, I had to embellish a lot. I wasn't a Hollywood socialite and I didn't have a big fabulous life. But um, You mean you were not Serena in <laughs> whatever the name of the show name girl, just, yeah. yeah. I was like the name of the show just like went boop. <laughs> but that was another big inspiration that I had because um so when I started developing these characters, this was circa 2007 and the Gossip Girl TV series was my gem. That mm-hmm. was what I lived my life for. Um, but I thought, you know, I'd do something a bit different. Didn't want to do the whole New York socialite scene. So I thought, mm-hmm. let's let's make it Hollywood where things are fabulous. Things are out of this world, crazy. Nobody lives their life like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we it's entertaining. And um, that's what I hoped for with the book, that people would at least be entertained by it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it where it um, originated from. It was really the characters that kind of drove the story. And um, I'm a big romance romance novel buff, so it made sense that the end product ended up being a love story of sorts. Right, right. So, what is you said you are now working on the second book? Is this a series yeah. or is it a totally different thing going on with this second book you're working on? Um, so the second book is, so it's going to be part of a series. I'm planning one more book after this sequel that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be a three-part romance series. And essentially we are following the life of the Hollywood socialite, the female main character, Libby Evans. Um, so in 10 dates, we're following her story and we continue that into the sequel, um, okay. which I'm hoping to have out by the end of the year, but we're in editing at this point. Um, and editing does take forever if you want, <laughs> want to get it done properly and you want, right. you know, I'm a perfectionist, so I want the final product to be absolutely perfect. I don't want anyone to post on my Goodreads. Oh, the grammar. It was awful in this. The spelling was terrible. It's like my worst nightmare. Yeah. So I want to have everything perfect, which is why tentatively end of the year, but we'll mm-hmm. have to see how much time I can dedicate to it with um a toddler and a newborn. So we're a bit no, pressed for time re- in this house, but right. um, 
We're going to try our hardest. <laughs> now, realistically, even trad pub books have issues. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I feel like it's you have to settle on like a happy medium. Like it's as good as I think it's going to possibly get. But because you that's are right. self-publishing, you can go in and fix things if people point them out later. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that is true. It's just it's just the perfectionist in me where, you know, I want everything <laughs> yeah. to be absolutely perfect. And sometimes that is completely unrealistic, but we're going to strive for it anyway. My perfectionist side is like, well, it was perfect the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> but then you have 40 plus word sentences. So clearly, <laughs> clearly there's an issue somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So how did you have your cover made? Did you do that um, or? So I love to draw. I am rubbish at it though. So I did um, reach out to a couple of different illustrators on Instagram um, mm-hmm. to try and bring the characters to life. I knew exactly how I wanted the cover to look. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, I guess, trying to find someone that could bring my image in my head and my awful, awful descriptions that I gave them <laughs> to life. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I worked with, um, her name is Keeks. Uh, she's got an Instagram. She did the cover for me Uh and, um, I've had some really, really great feedback on it. Um, really, really liked the idea though, as, um, time went on and I started reading more, more contemporary romance. So, you know, your Ali Hazelwoods, your Sibeli's and things like that. I really started to fall in love with this, the, animated characters that Mm -hmm. people are illustrating and having on the cover of their books so while I did love the original cover I thought maybe we'll try something different just to kind of see like I was saying being an indie author it's non-stop marketing trying to make your book more appealing to people and things like that so I was like cool if maybe we try a different kind of cover that kind of fits in with what contemporary romance covers kind of look like now mm-hmm. we might you know grab some more readers and things like that so I've got a new cover coming out on July 1st so that'll be the one year anniversary of okay. um, 10 dates being published and that one's really drawing on the animated illustrated um, covers and kind of just taking what Libby and Wentworth look like and going from that original cover of them being the back view to seeing what their faces would look like and things like that. So I've been Uh working with another illustrator on um, Instagram for that. Um, But it was really nice to be able to support some of the, I guess, lesser well-known illustrators who are trying to Uh get their work out and things like that. So that's been really nice. But, um, yeah, I designed the cover entirely for both of them. Um, but it's just, yeah, I needed that illustrator to be able to draw for me because, yeah, if I had tried to do it, it would have been terrible. I need to do a video of the transition from not this podcast. I made this podcast's cover art in Canva. Um, yep. But my daily fiction podcast, I had, same as you, picture in my head of like what I wanted it to look like. Yeah. And so I, my husband is an artist. I am oh, not. Nice. I am not yep. at all. <laughs> but I drew for him stick figures. Oh, lovely. <laughs> of, of what I I'm like this is what I'm thinking and then he like made it look good and then we oh, paid someone cuz he hand draws so he hand yep. drew it and then I like digitized it on an iPad and that's what we ran with for the first 
eight months, I think. And then we paid someone like on Fiverr to take it and like professionalize it. So it looks same logo looks way different than my original drawing, (laughs) but took the same exact logo that my husband had done and just like made it more polished looking, less hand drawn looking. Um, I need to do it like a transition video where you see like, here's the original (laughs) all the way up to what it is now. (laughs) I'd love to see that. It's not good. I I have it saved because I drew it on my iPad. So like I still have the screenshot of the awful drawing that I did. But yeah, I should do that. People be like, oh, dear God. Ah, That's amazing, though. (laughs) See, I I didn't do any of that. Mine was just using a whole bunch of words and being like, cool. So can you can you put like the female character like this and I kind of wanted to look like this. Here's an inspiration picture and here's another inspiration picture. Yeah, inspiration ones are good too. It was a mess and I have no idea how my two (laughs) illustrators came up with the amazing things they did but I was like, oh, you know, kind of like this but kind of like that and here, like this photo here that I found on the internet and this one and this and this. (laughs) It was a mess but they did such an amazing job. When we were designing the booth that I'm in now, um, I had in my head, so originally I worked out of my closet. I've only been in this booth since this week, Um, but, well, I talked to you because I had to, like, reschedule to get this booth set up, but um, for, like, the designing it, originally I was like, oh, like, in my head, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. Well, for like a year and a half, I was like, we'll just build a new booth whenever we move in like five years. And then I'm like, screw this. I can't stand up in my recording booth. It's driving me crazy and it's hot. Yeah, so, sure. So in my head, I'm like planning out like where the door's going to be and like the size that I want it to be. I'm like, you know, taking out a tape measure and measuring the room to see like what yeah. size would fit and like all these things. And then my husband's like, oh, yeah, we should have my engineer father help us design it. And I'm like, that's cool. You know, you and your dad can design this thing, whatever, whatever. We get there. We visit them like twice a year. They live like nine hours from us. And we're at their house. And he's like, he father-in-law pulls out his laptop and he starts designing it. My husband's kind of staring at him, making no comments whatsoever. And I'm like, hey, I want to watch this. I've never seen someone design something. That's cool. And then he starts to do stuff. And I'm like why are you doing it like that? Well, I didn't think about a large part of the issue was they had been at our house a few months prior and I had completely rearranged everything in my office Uh, since they'd been here. So he's designing it thinking it still looks like it did. And I'm like, no, 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 the door can't be there because there's there's something in the way. (laughs) Yeah. The door has to be here. And then he's like trying to make it open one way. And I'm like, it can't open that way. It's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to get in there. (laughs) It's like this whole thing of like, I should have drawn it on a piece of paper and been like, here's what's in my head. (laughs) And now it works great. It's all it's up. It's good. We're it looks amazing. (laughs) It's me and my daughter did she became a pro at putting the little velcro we used like velcro squares to hold all the little foam things up and she was a pro at i cut them she stuck them and then i put Uh, them on the wall where they needed to be she's eight she's eight so (laughs) she tried to help cutting the velcro but the sticky stuff on it kept making the scissors sticky so like yeah and then I had to do all the the lights have these like sticky hooks that hook them on the wall and getting yep. the, the backing off the sticky was a nightmare. So I had to do all that. But 
Yeah, teamwork. It looks amazing, though. It looks teamwork. really good. Oh, it's so nice. And, like, I can turn an air... I have an air conditioner at my feet that I can, like, turn on between chapters while I'm narrating now. Oh, that's So I have, nice. like... Whereas, like, before it'd be, like, open the closet door and hope the air wafts in. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, because you so, guys are starting to get warm there now. It is... I don't know what it is today, 70, 80 outside, yep. but we have, well, you similar humidity is insane here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm in Texas. It's not comfortable. No, <laughs> I can't imagine hot. it would be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you just deal with it. But also I was like, I would like some kind of air coming into my booth, even if it's, I could have paid like three times the price and had a silent air conditioner. Yeah, I was going to say because, yeah, the but, air conditioner would definitely be loud. Yeah, but it was like the silent unit was like three times the price. And then we would have to yeah. like pay someone to put it in. And I'm like, I would rather just have something that is a third of the cost. I can install it literally myself if yep. need be. I have a husband who does help with things, though, so he did it. <laughs> um <laughs> So I'm not allowed to touch tools because on Monday I bruised the bone on my finger with a screwdriver. So (laughs) I was trying to be an adult and remove all the staples from the walls in the closet I was in. And Uh, now I'm not allowed to touch tools because I bruised (laughs) my bone. So (laughs) No, my husband's a bit like that with the tools too. He doesn't really like me touching them either. He's just like, how do you, how? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> trying clearly, to be clearly that was not the aim, but we'll just let the next owners deal with it now because I'm not yeah. allowed to touch the tools. <laughs> Bridget liked The Little Mermaid growing up, and still today. The Little Mermaid, also known in English as The Little Sea Maid, is a literary fairy tale written by the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen first published in 1837 as part of a collection of fairy tales for children. Hans Christian Andersen was a Danish author. Although a prolific writer of plays, travelogues, novels, and poems, he's best remembered for his literary fairy tales. Andersen's fairy tales, consisting of 156 stories across nine volumes, have been translated into more than 125 languages— They have become culturally embedded in the West's collective consciousness, readily accessible to children, but presenting lessons of virtue and resilience in the face of adversity for mature readers as well. His most famous fairy tales include The Emperor's New Clothes, The Little Mermaid, The Nightingale, The Steadfast Tin Soldier, The Red Shoes, The Princess and the Pea, The Snow Queen, The Ugly Duckling, The Little Match Girl, and Thumbelina. His stories have inspired ballets, plays, and animated and live-action films. Today we'll be reading The Real Princess by Hans Christian Andersen. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Real Princess There was once a prince who wished to marry a princess— But then she must be a real princess. He traveled all over the world in hopes of finding such a lady. But there was always something wrong. Princesses he found in plenty. But whether they were real princesses, it was impossible for him to decide. For now one thing, now another seemed to him not quite right about the ladies. At last he returned to his palace quite cast down, 
because he wished so much to have a real princess for his wife. One evening, a fearful tempest arose. It thundered and lightened, and the rain poured down from the sky in torrents. Besides, it was as dark as pitch. All at once, there was heard a violent knocking at the door, and the old king, the prince's father, went out himself to open it. It was a princess who was standing outside the door. What with the rain and the wind, she was in a sad condition. The water trickled down from her hair, and her clothes clung to her body. She said she was a real princess. Ah, we shall soon see that, thought the old queen mother. However, she said not a word of what she was going to do, but went quietly into the bedroom, took all the bedclothes off the bed, and put three little peas on the bedstead. She then laid twenty mattresses, one upon another, over the three peas, and put twenty feather beds over the mattresses. Upon this bed, the princess was to pass the night. The next morning, she was asked how she had slept. Oh, very badly indeed, she replied. I've scarcely closed my eyes the whole night through. I do not know what was in my bed, but I had something hard under me, and am all over black and blue. It has hurt me so much. Now it was plain that the lady must be a real princess, since she had been able to feel the three little peas through the twenty mattresses and twenty feather beds. None but a real princess could have had such a delicate sense of feeling. The prince accordingly made her his wife, being now convinced that he had found a real princess. The three peas were, however, put into the cabinet of curiosities, where they are still to be seen, provided they are not lost. Wasn't this a lady of real delicacy? Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for the conclusion of Bridget's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear another of her favorite fairy tales.